Hello, friends, and welcome to episode nine of the Yours Truly podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in on this platform where we go beyond macros, we ditch diets to talk about nutrition in a more gentle sense. So this is nutrition that truly nourishes your mind, your body, and your spirit, and allows you to live a little bit more gently and kindly with yourself. So today, um, I have another special guest. We're continuing with the theme of guest interviews, um, but this is a special guest for me because this is actually the first guest I've ever hosted on this platform that I've never met in person. So this is a kind of side note here. I am always amazed by the power of social media and how we can use it for connection and actually use it for so much good. So um, I'll allow this guest to introduce herself, but I'll give you a quick aside. Um, her name is Austin, and one of the first things I remember about her, I was kind of like in this Instagram black hole, you know, like you're clicking through stories, you're clicking through a hashtag, and I happened upon her, um, and I was watching one of her story videos, and um, she was talking talking something about food intuition. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I was really taken by um, how good she was at speaking to the camera. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this girl must be an actress, which she'll get into. Ironically, she is, but I'm so glad that we've connected on Instagram. Um, we've been following each other for I don't know, it seems like almost a year now, but she's um, maybe more known to you or more known to the Instagram world as um, the Intuition Gym and Kitchen. So um, she talks about intuitive living, intuitive eating, and intuitive movement, which are all... Um, topics that I am super passionate about, and I am so excited to have her here today. So Austin, she's here with me. Um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are as a human? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I am so happy to be on this podcast there, because we were just saying, I, I really do feel like I know you, which is <laughs> insane, because we've never met. Um but yeah, I, I am an actor, actress, and uh, I went to school, I studied acting. Um, I have been out of college for about a year now, and a little over a year, and I've been working as an actor all year, which is really exciting. Um, and I travel constantly for my job, um, so I, I don't really have one home base, although I do live in New York City, that's what I say, but I'm kind of all over the place. Um, and I grew up around New York City, so that definitely adds to the feeling of, of home. Um, there's a dog barking outside, I hope you can hear that. <laughs> that's okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm an actor, and now I really identify and consider myself uh, a blogger, and uh, I have a, an immense passion for intuitive living, um, and so that is also a huge part of my life, um, and it's been an interesting journey kind of figuring out a way to balance the two, um, but but that is kind of kind of what my life seems to be right now, which is a very, very cool thing. So Yeah, and I definitely, I want to get in more into your intuitive journey, because that's obviously um, one of the huge main things I want to talk about, but one question I've actually never asked you, and it's just kind of dawning on me now, which for everyone listening, uh, maybe like five, six months ago, I had been following Austin's content so much, um, and it just dawned on me one day, I was like, I do not know this girl's first name. Like, 
I do not know her name. So I messaged her one day on Instagram. I was like, hey, um, I hope you don't think this is weird, but I've been following you for a long time. Like, obviously, we had talked at that point. I was like, but I don't know your name. Like, and I really want to know. And since then, you've actually added your name to your bio and Instagram. But um, another question that I've never asked you is how did you get into acting? Because I feel like that is a very, um, just a specific career path that me, myself, personally, I never really would have dreamt of going down. So kind of what led you to that career? Yeah. Um, well, unlike most people who end up in this profession, my I actually grew up in this profession. My family, my mom and my dad, my stepmom, uh, they are all actors, and, and my mom was a dancer on Broadway. My dad is currently still an actor. My stepmom was an actor and a singer for a really long time, and she still does it, but she has kind of um, made a, a career now in public speaking and inspirational, inspirational motivational speaking. Um, but so it, it definitely was something that I grew up exposed to, uh, definitely living close to New York City. I went to go see Broadway shows rather than getting like things for Christmas. I would get Broadway show uh-huh. tickets. Um, so I was always exposed to it in that way. And it was always presented to me as something that was an option as a career, because that's what my parents were doing to make a living and successfully. So, um, so it felt a little bit more accessible to me, I think, than it might have had I grown up a, it, you know, in the Midwest or in the South right? or B with parents who were doctors or lawyers or, you know, something else. But, um, yeah, so I actually really didn't think that I was going to go down this career path. I had so many passions as a kid. When I was 12, I used to tell people that I was going to be a performing arts therapist for kids with special needs. Uh (laughs) That's what I was going to do. And who knows? Maybe I still will. Um, but there was a certain point uh, in my training. I was really lucky to get some fantastic training um, growing up near New York City. And there was a certain point in telling stories and doing plays and doing musicals that I realized that this was something that I absolutely had to do with my life. Um, and so the kind of the rest is, is history. And I was lucky to have a family that got it and actually probably discouraged me even more because they know how hard it was, you right. know, but as soon as they knew that it was something I was really passionate about, they were totally there for me and, uh, I've been doing it ever since. Yeah. That's so cool. I had no idea kind of how you got into that. And I think your story speaks a lot to like environmental exposure, um, because you were kind of saying, you know, someone who maybe didn't grow up around it or grow up in um, New York or for someone who grew up in the South, like me, for example, I grew up in Southern Virginia. Like I was just never exposed to that. But what I was exposed to was a, you know, family and a parents who own their own business and, you know, look where I am now. So it really speaks to kind of having the support system where, you know, they've been there, they know what it takes, um, and they can kind of support you through that. But I think that's a really cool story. And I didn't even really plan on asking you that, but as you were kind of giving your intro, I was like, you know, what are the odds I'm ever going to have someone who acts, um, ever again on this platform? So I might as well hear the story. And also one more side question off of this. Um, what acting mainly do you do? I'm assuming, is it mostly like live, like plays or what is it? Yeah, so uh, in this year, post-grad, I have done theater. So I've done regionally, which means at, like, little mini Broadways all over the country. Uh Um, I have done plays and musicals at a bunch of regional theaters. Um, I 
hope to eventually do TV and film as well. I take a lot of classes in New York right now because I'm in between acting jobs. So whenever I'm in between things, I like to take classes. And right now I'm taking an on-camera class, which will hopefully allow me to start working in TV and film. Um, but I want to do it all. It's all super appealing to me. And that's kind of how you are able to make a career is in, in acting is by making yourself available to every single possibility because it's, it's a really hard business. Yeah, and I am a total outsider. I know nothing about the world of acting, but just as an outsider, um, just like watching your content and anyone who's watched your Instagram, watched your videos, or maybe well after listening to this podcast, like you, you do have a presence on camera. And it's like almost the first time that I even ran across you, like I could tell. I was like, okay, this girl, like she just, she speaks differently. She has a different presence. And like it's definitely part of your personality. But I was like, oh my God, like does she have formal training? But yeah, very cool. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> but um, something that you talk about a lot, which is uh, the main one of the main reasons why I invited you here, is because you are such a um, present and loud voice in this intuitive eating, intuitive living, and kind of this just wellness um, frame where we're kind of talking about wellness of the whole person, the mind, body, spirit, rather than just like, um, look at me, like I have a perfect body, I eat these foods. So um, I really appreciate the work you're doing here, but kind of give us a little bit of background on maybe your journey to intuitive living. I know you recently did a um, blog post for your new blog on this, but yeah, just kind of delve in and tell us um, how you got here. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's definitely been a really long journey and I always try to make that clear because I think, oh gosh, like we're all so steeped in diet culture that it feels impossible, I think, to, um, to switch over to listening to our body signals. Like it feels like so foreign and so daunting, such a huge task. Mm -hmm. Um, so I always do want to start by saying that like, whoa, it has been uh, such a long journey. Um, but, uh, I think so, uh, you know, every young woman is exposed to, um, just this one particular, uh, sort of beauty standard that we all see all over the place. And, um, I think anyone would be impacted by that, but being, uh, an actor growing up and, you know, I did all of the high school musicals and was, I played Elle Woods and Legally Blonde <laughs> when I was in high school. Um, and so I was wearing, you know, Elle Woods like costumes, that famous Playboy bunny suit that she wears. She does it in the musical too. And I was wearing that in front of the entire high school coming to see me. Um, at the age of like 16, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so on top of the normal pressures in terms of, uh, you know, body image that most people face, I had an additional layer of being kind of like in front of a lot of people, uh, who were looking at my body and that became really overwhelming for me. Um, and it actually didn't really manifest entirely until I was in college and I was kind of autonomous with my food choices and my exercise choices. Um, but I went through some periods of really, really disordered relationships with food and exercise, um, obsessive relationships, feeling like my entire identity was health, um, and health that I, you know, I, I defined health as something very, very narrow, which was having a certain body that represented, um, you know, how 
clean I was eating and how frequently I was working out. I was killing myself in the gym six days a week and, and eating uh, only carbs on days that I was lifting weights and, and all of these things that I began to be sort of consumed by. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually my body retaliated and said, whoa, you're starving me. What are you doing? And so I started having uh, some trouble with binge eating um, and then kind of going back and forth between the two extremes until eventually in college, I felt a little helpless. I had been pretty alone in that journey, just and that was entirely my own decision. I know that I had so many people who wanted to help me, but I was so sort of ashamed about the struggles that I was going through that I didn't want to talk about it. Um, and eventually I felt like the only way to really address these things was to have a conversation with someone about it. Mm-hmm. And so I actually wrote an email to my mom because <laughs> it was so hard to say out loud. And from there, I got help. I went to therapy. I started learning about intuitive eating. I bought a butt ton of books and a lot of them, honestly, I would not recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a lot of literature out there that I, I think is not particularly helpful. Um, but the one book that I'm sure you've also been helped by oh, yeah. um, is is the intuitive eating book. Yep. The, you know, number one, traditional, lay it all out there, intuitive eating book. Um, and that I have, I'm sure, I, I think we have this in common. Like, I, I just have a very sort of scientific brain. And mm-hmm. if you can give me, like, all of the steps that are laid out in a clear way, and I'm like, yes, okay, I can implement them in this particular format and whatever. Like, if you do that, then I'm golden. Um, and I can kind of start to to follow those those steps. So that was one of the, the biggest things was starting to learn about intuitive eating um, and shifting my perspective and my relationship with food first. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, I started kind of shifting my relationship with my body. From there, I started shifting my relationship with movement. I think that was the last layer of um, those sort of like specific diet mentality, fitness mentality things that remained. And so then delving into the, to the world of intuitive movement was kind of the last layer of that. And uh, now I'm, I kind of consider myself someone who lives intuitively in every possible way. I've basically seen how I can implement those things into every part of my life possible because it's been such a fruitful thing. Yeah. So, yeah. I absolutely love that story. And I love to hear people's journey with, you know, intuitive eating, intuitive living, because kind of like you prefaced at the beginning, like it's really not something that happens overnight. And I think that is the thing that really um, polarizes it or makes it a lot different from other things that are talked about or other things that are taught because, um, you know, any other kind of diet book or any other kind of macro tracking, it's going to be like, you know, do this one thing or cut out this one food group or you know, eat this amount of calories and it makes it seem as if like, boom, uh, you'll be picture perfect. Um, your food problems will be fixed, which, you know, in reality, we know that that's not how it works, but, you know, intuitive eating the process, what I always preface with, um, clients, what this book prefaces and side note, if you don't know the book that Austin mentioned, um, it's also my favorite intuitive eating book. It's called intuitive eating. It's very easy to find online written by two dietitians. Um, I'd highly recommend that you give it a read because, 
even just me as a practitioner, like as a dietitian, this isn't really something that they they teach in our schoolwork. It is more of the science, um, the macro-based, the clinical side of things. So I've done a lot of like self-learning, self-teaching from this book. But this book even says at the beginning, you know, like this is not a fast process. Like everyone will proceed through the different steps um, at different moments in time and everyone will take um, their own time kind of moving through it, but just kind of um, giving yourself the grace and knowing that, okay, like this is a process that will set me up for life. Like it's not something that is going to say, okay, do these two things that have to do with food and you'll be healthy for the rest of your life. It's really, um, food is a part of it, but like you kind of touched on food, um, is almost like the gateway. So we're talking about intuitive eating, but then it kind of spirals in a good way. It's like an upward spiral to kind of encompass everything in your life, which is in reality, like why on my Instagram and my social media and yours as well, it's not just talking about food because we know this intuitive journey encompasses, um, your relationships with like yourself, your body and movement and so much more, um, than just food. But I guess one thing that I hadn't thought about that you really touched on is just, um, I can't imagine how hard it would have been in your position as an actress growing up in this space where, you know, the large majority of society that is struggling, I guess I can say women who may be struggling with um, issues with food or um, negative thoughts about their body or self-confidence issues, that's really something that, you know, you kind of face on your own. And yes, you do have people looking at you, but you're not on a literal stage. Um, I can't imagine how that must have been to be struggling with that and be kind of dealing with, okay, how do I not make these thoughts control me when your position is so exaggerated. So, um, I guess walk me through some of the most, um, important things that you felt like helped you other than the book, like whether it was a mindset shift, um, just like important tidbits that really kind of took you out of that place from, um, you know, I feel negatively towards my body or I need to starve myself into a more positive light. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is something that I talk to a lot of actors and actresses and dancers and other performing artists about a lot. Um, because it's so terrible, you know, we have to constantly send our measurements to people, um, and be in costume fittings with people, you know, looking at your naked body and like pinching and poking and prodding to get the costume to fit just right. And, you know, talking about how your particular body looks in costumes and, you know, my gosh, it's just crazy. Um, and I think for me, something that was so helpful was kind of realizing that I am a talented artist and I have a lot to bring to the table completely apart from my body. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not getting hired for my body. And if somebody is hiring me for my body, then I'm not really interested in working for them. Like if they, if my body were to change all of a sudden and they would just be no longer interested in working with me, then that's not the kind of work that I want to do. Because I want to be doing stuff where everything that I am as a human being and my brain and my heart and everything that I have to bring to the table in those ways is valued. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And, and if it isn't, and if it is just about my body, then I'm not really interested in doing that. So go basically, and I still have, you know, mini meltdowns sometimes before a contract of feeling like, oh my gosh, like what if my body has changed since the audition process? What if they're gonna, what if I show up and they're like, what? Like, this is not at all what we wanted. And, but I just have to remind myself constantly. And this is something that applies to everyone that like, we just are so much more than these vessels that we live in. And do we really want to surround ourselves with work environments and friends and, and a life that is based on what we look like? Because I don't, Mm -hmm. that isn't personally what I want. Um, so I have to have a lot of really tough conversations with myself and kind of give a little tough love and say, listen, like you are, you are so much more than a body. Mm -hmm. And if somebody has an issue with that, then that is not your problem. It is their problem. You have so much to bring to the table and that is what you need to focus on. Um, And that's helped me a lot in terms of body confidence in my life as well, just to know that it isn't about my body. Right. Ever. (laughs) I really, I love that because even the fact that you said tough love, because sometimes I feel like the message um, that people like you or I put out there can sometimes be seen as like super soft, right? It's like, oh, love this. And people are like, oh, like, well, you just accept everything. And like, you, you know, you never want to strive for, or how can you strive for better if you always accept and love your body as it is? And my response to that is it's actually a really strong message because sometimes you do have to face it from the side of being a little bit tough. I really love of the saying, um, what is it? Strong back, soft front. So it's like you are talking to yourself in a way that, you know, pumps you with confidence. And it's like, you know, like I am so much more than just a body. Um, and no matter what is portrayed in the media, like we kind of talked about earlier, the power of social media to connect someone like you and I, which is really cool, but also the negative side of it is, you know, I personally, and I'm sure you have too, I've tried my best to remove, um, accounts from my personal bubble that are so body focused, um, that like negatively body focused. And I think that's a really important step for people to take, but even on social media, like if you're on a discover page, if you're on this, this, and this, like, even if, um, the caption isn't saying like, um, you are just your body or like, you have to look this way. The picture insinuates that. Um, so I think it's really important to have that internal dialogue with yourself on a daily basis. It is, you know, like I'm so much more than just my body and you know I'm my brain I'm my heart and anyone who just sees me for what I look like you know I really don't want to be surrounded by that so I think that's um a really really good tip that you offered right there oh well thank you and I I totally agree with you I think um it it can be especially hard with gosh those explore discover pages (laughs) like no matter how much work you do to eliminate the triggering things from your life, you're still surrounded by those messages. So it is important to have a sort of uh, strong message in your core of, of what you believe because you're there's no way to completely protect yourself from those triggering things. There's you know, you right. have to be your own your own cheerleader sometimes. Yeah. And that kind of just circles back to the fact that it's not a one day, a one month or a two month process. It's really, um, a matter of house cleaning or housekeeping yourself (laughs) for a long time and figuring out what your values are and how every, um, outlet that you express yourself through, whether it's social media, whether it's writing, whether it's your friends really supports that. But kind of one thing, um, 
when you were talking about body confidence and body love and like I am more than just my body, one thing that I actually didn't have written down to ask you, but it stuck out in my mind, something that um, you actually talked about a while ago, and I'm sure maybe you still practice this, but you were actually talking about, um, you know, one way to just be more comfortable with your body because something I always talk about is like, yes, it's okay um, to have a goal to like be stronger or to um, want to see a little bit of change in your body body through healthy measures, but, um, loving your house, like your body, loving it every step of the way. Um, and one thing that you did to do this was yoga in your underwear around your house. Yeah! Like, you literally <laughs> talked about this on social media. And I remember the day I saw it, I was like, that is really interesting. Like, I don't know if I have the guts to do that, but talk maybe a little bit about your mindset, um, behind that and maybe how it has helped you and how it, you think it can help other people too. Yeah, absolutely. I love this. This is one of my favorite practices. I do still do it, although because sometimes I'm living with people, I can't do yoga in my underwear as frequently. But uh, yeah, so I think it stems from the feeling, which I'm sure you'll identify with and lots of people will identify with because I see people doing this all the time. Um, of being in a workout class or a yoga class or some sort of, you know, moving in front of people and feeling like you need to like constantly fix your clothes and make yeah. sure that you're not like exposing part of your stomach or that like you're, you know, God forbid a, you, a roll starts to happen or, you know, your cellulite is, is exposed or whatever it is and kind of like constantly tugging and pulling at your clothing so that you don't expose yourself to other people. Um, and regardless of other people, just feeling uncomfortable when we start to feel our skin squish and move and in the ways that are supernatural, but in the ways that my gosh, we're always programmed to, to think are just like the worst things in the world. Um, so I think it stems from that feeling of being so uncomfortable in a public yoga class or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and wanting to sort of take small steps toward, feeling okay about those things um so it's like an exposure therapy kind of in the way that like uh in my intuitive eating journey one of the things that I was always challenging myself to do was to eat a food that I was really afraid of um in a public space uh because that made me so anxious and so like a little by little I was able to kind of combat those fears through that um experience and this was definitely something that was sort of in line with that. Um, and so I truly, I would, and I started with just doing yoga in a sports bra and maybe leggings or a sports bra and shorts so that just my stomach was exposed. And that when my stomach started to roll and squish that I, instead of having a panic attack or mid panic attack, would be able to just pause my practice, pause my flow, then be able to kind of breathe into that um, and sit with it for a second. So mm-hmm. whatever pose you're in where you start to feel your stomach scrunching up and rolling, which feels uncomfortable, uh, that we're able to sit there for a second and breathe into it and know that it's going to be okay and that it's totally natural and beautiful for our body to squish in that way. Um and then to keep going with our flow. 
And uh, that kind of grew into the more that I became comfortable with that, I was able to start doing it in my underwear. And then, whoa, I have even done it totally naked. (laughs) I know for some people it's like, what? That's so weird. Um, But when you're living alone, it's it's possible. And again, that's not possible for me all the time. But um, but yeah, just kind of something that allows you to check in with your body in its purest, most natural form and to keep breathing into the discomfort of um, some of our body's natural squishing and bending, which we're told is terrible and is actually like 100% normal and beautiful and natural and should be celebrated. Right. That just no one ever talks about. Like, and one, I I think this is really cool for a few reasons. First of all, um, I'm a yoga teacher and this is like, obviously you can't do this in a a public space. It's kind of funny. It's like when you walk in, like if you've ever like done a, like a massage or anything like that. And they're like, undress to your level of comfort. Like, like, what does that mean? It's kind of like that. Um, but just to be able to do this in your own space, I feel like it's really powerful for a few reasons because first and foremost, yoga is a practice of self-love. Like the word yoga itself means um, to yoke or union, right? So um, I think yoga gets diluted a lot to be like, you know, look at this picture perfect, like Lululemon, like Matt, and I'm on it doing this, like touching my toes to my nose and like, are you are you smelling oh, your feet? Yes. Are you being really flexible? Which, you know, if that is a form of your yoga practice, totally fine. Um, but I think for a lot of people, yoga gets misrepresented in that way and then it's super unattainable which we'll talk about how you talk about like accessibility with wellness but with yoga I think it's super important to kind of come into the space of practicing for a union with your own body and um, to kind of step into a place where instead of um, stepping away from the discomfort of like oh my gosh like I don't like how my body feels in this pose or I don't like how I look instead of recoiling from that as you might in a public yoga space. Um, you can kind of sit with it for a second, like you said, and really address like, where is this coming from? Um, why am I feeling this way? And kind of bringing an aura of self-awareness to it because in all reality, when it comes to loving your body and loving yourself for who you are right now, um, I think a lot of the times what we believe other people see in us is simply a reflection of what we see in the mirror when we look there. So for example, if you want to feel more confident, um, being yourself, you know, presenting your body or wearing that outfit to others as you are right now, you really have to start with, um, yourself and how you view yourself and make that better first, because if you don't truly believe it, um, you're not going to believe it when other people tell you. So, um, I think that is a really cool practice or challenge maybe for anyone watching. Um, Maybe even if it's not like the poses of yoga, but anything that you really, truly enjoy, um, trying to do it in a sports bra or, you know, your underwear or just something that's, um, makes you a little bit uncomfortable, but in the comfort of your own space. So that's very, very cool. Yes, totally. I think that's a great challenge. And then, so I kind of touched on this, so we'll, we'll circle back to it for a second. Another thing that you talk about a lot on your platform is making wellness accessible, which is a really, really important thing to talk about because um, a lot of the times things that are presented as wellness, like um, are very expensive, whether it's like a massage that I just mentioned, or if, you know, a routine of self-care is like, oh, like going to get a pedicure or um, maybe even in 
the space of like hiring a nutrition coach. Like I will openly and honestly say that, you know, it is a business. And because of that, it may not be for everyone because it does cost money. But um, talk a little bit about making this accessible in ways that you have found that everyone can start to build a better wellness platform by using what's available to them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, uh, it is something that's so, so important to me. Um, just because I, I'm constantly frustrated by the way that, that wellness is portrayed, um, as this sort of elite thing, which is only for a select few of people, few people who can afford it. Um, and I think that this is one of the reasons why I really love intuitive living because it puts things into your hands. Um, once you buy the book <laughs> or um, start to get in touch with your own cravings, you're the one who is able to determine what your body needs. Mm -hmm. um, you are the one who's able to decide how you want to move in that moment. Um, and you don't, you don't need a personal trainer and you don't need a, a dietitian necessarily. Mm -hmm. There are still so many people who do, and that's an amazing thing. Um, if you're able to afford that resource, but there's also another way of looking at it in, in terms of intuitive living where it is in your hands and you can kind of acquire the tools that you need just by doing research on your own. Um, so I think one of the things that I've been super interested in lately and something that I am looking to kind of build the intuition gym and kitchen into is, uh, just the fact that on YouTube, there are so many exercise movements channels, um, that basically, I mean, you could basically find any type of movement on YouTube. So if you're the kind of person who doesn't have a lot of information yourself, um, I, I realize that's one of the ways that I, that I have so much information about movement in my mind. Number one, it's because I was a dancer growing up. And so that increases the awareness that I have of my body. But number mm -hmm. two, it was because I spent years obsessed with exercise and, um, I spent a lot of time, uh, researching all of these things because I was so desperate to just kind of, you know, change my body. Um, and that is not something that I recommend. Uh, but it, it was helpful. I am grateful for the knowledge that I accrued over those years. Um, but a way to do it in a, a lot more of a balanced, healthy way is to go onto YouTube and to look at all of the channels that exist. Um, if you want to learn more about weightlifting, if you want to learn more about dance cardio, if you want to do a, you know, a yoga practice for 5 million different things, you can find every single, you know, reason why you would be doing yoga on YouTube. And that's something that I, just think it is wonderful. Um, and I think probably everyone has access to those things, obviously not everyone, but, um, but a far majority of people, uh, would be able to right. do that. And it's not something that's afforded, uh, affordable for most to go to some kind of class or something that would be, uh, an in-person $30 experience. Mm -hmm, you can mm -hmm. totally get it on YouTube in your living room, which I think is awesome. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, I also just, you know, I talk a lot about, I think uh, in, in the recipes that we post and create, yes. um, 
kind of just making sure that you take into account the fact that somebody is not going to want to spend a hundred dollars on one recipe mm-hmm. and all of these ingredients that no one will ever use again. And it's just going to sit in your, you know, cabinet or your refrigerator or whatever, and trying to create recipes that are super easy to get the recipe uh, or the ingredients for. Right. Um, all of those things are really helpful, and I know that's something that you do. I am obsessed with the fact that you talk so much about peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> <laughs> because, number one, it, it's a really, really affordable food. Yeah. Um, and and you, you use a lot of ingredients in all of your recipes that are easy to access and are not super expensive, and that's something I always really appreciate appreciate about your content. Yeah. Well, um, first of all, peanut butter and jelly is the love of my life. Um, I, I joke that <laughs> I would marry it if I wouldn't eat it in like two seconds because that's not <laughs> ground for a sustainable marriage. But yeah, I totally agree with, <laughs> with the recipes. Like, you know, I do that for myself as much as for anyone else. Like I am not someone, um, I'm not one of those dietitians who likes to go and like buy a bunch of like crazy oddball ingredients because one, like I just started a business, like not totally rolling in the dough where I want to spend like $20 a pound for one ingredient, nor honest, like honestly speaking, do I think they all taste that great? So um, I think it's really important to, this is one thing that they talk about in the intuitive eating book. It's like, you know, honoring your taste and honoring your hunger in a way that you enjoy and you know, if buying expensive ingredients is something that you enjoy doing and you enjoy the taste of, like more power to you. But um, I think there's a lot to be spoken on this whole accessibility to wellness platform where, yeah, like finding recipes that um, have ingredients that aren't super expensive that you can find at a really local normal grocery store or maybe finding um, a source that you trust um, for those YouTube videos or for um, maybe blog posts, which is I know something you and I both both do is first of all, I try to put out as much free content that is accessible as I can because I know um, a lot of people um, don't necessarily want to pay for what I call the application of my information. So like, let's be honest, like all the information that any trainer, that any coach, that any dietitian is going to tell you is somewhere on the internet. Like that's just how the internet works. There's so much information that you can find. What you typically pay for is application to make it applicable to you. But when we are talking about something that is more intuitive in nature or something where you're really trying to tune in and find out like, what exactly do I need right now? Or you're just trying to, you know, kind of put the puzzle together on what's best for you necessarily without spending a lot of money. Um, I think it's really important to seek out those sources of free information. Um, you being one, I being another, that is a voice in this accessible, this whole wellness, um, picture that, you know, is not going to be saying like, you know, for example, in a workout video, like, um, get that six pack or like sweat or what is it? Sweat is fat crying. Like I absolutely hate that. So I think it's just a matter of, um, using the resources that you have and finding those free resources that you trust. Um, if that's a position that you're in. So I love, um, that discussion in and of itself, but kind of spinning off of this, because I think you did a post on this kind of recently, um, 
I believe it was your number was three that you picked, but um, I think this could be really important or useful for anyone listening right now who maybe is identifying with like, yes, this is me. I want to start living more intuitively. I want to start um, being more comfortable in my own house, aka my body, but um, I don't necessarily know where to start with these free resources. So what, um, in your opinion, are three things that someone can do starting like right now, like within the hour of ending this podcast to um, start loving their intuitive journey or really diving into that a little bit more? Yeah. um, I think the first thing is to identify uh, all of the rules that you have around food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the things that you may not even realize that you're, that are dictating your choices. Um, anything from a previous diet, uh, the moralization of food, things that you think are good and bad. Um, and just kind of like lay it all out, make a list if that's helpful to you. Uh, these are all of the things that kind of rule my life around food right now. Um, and when you're looking at all of them, it's a lot easier to kind of see how they're influencing your life. And then I think this can be a separate step because that alone is, is will be time consuming. Um, I think maybe the second step is then to start saying, okay, I'm no longer going to allow these rules that I've identified to influence my decisions. And I am going to give myself complete permission to eat, unconditional permission to eat Mm -hmm. whatever I want, whenever I want it. Um, So if that means that I want to eat cookies at, you know, 11 a.m. and then (laughs) I want to eat more cookies again at 3 p.m. because that's what my body is telling me, that's cool. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely acceptable and you're totally allowed to do that. There are no rules All foods are good foods, and you have to allow your body to go through a period of feeling what it feels like to eat all of those things and to have access to all foods all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think the third step in this would be uh, to kind of start to specify your hunger and your hunger cues and cravings. Um, and to start to really, really tap into those things. So at first, as you're giving yourself un- unconditional permission to eat, I think sometimes we just go crazy a little bit. And that's totally acceptable. After you've been living with so many rules, like, of course, that makes so much sense. Um, but after a while and after you've allowed yourself to experience that, it's a really refreshing thing to kind of be able to come back to your body and say like, okay, so I really can have all of these things all the time. So when I am hungry, when I start to realize again, what it feels like to be hungry, what do I want to eat? And making sure that you're making food choices that are really satisfying and that actually bring you joy and not just eating something because you think that you have to, or you think you should, um, but that you're making food choices that are nourishing you, yes, but that are also really, really satisfying for you. Um, and I think that those are three steps that are by no means easy, but definitely kind of tangible that were, were crucial for me when I was starting to explore intuitive eating and just getting in, in touch with my body's power to, to make those decisions for myself. Yeah, and those are my 
three arguably favorite steps from, you know, that intuitive eating book. Um, and they've been really helpful for me because like, no matter where you stand in your relationship with food, especially if you're looking to move past diets once and for all, I honestly feel like, um, well, all of them are very, very important, but that first one is that making a list and just identifying what rules, um, your mind is controlled by, because whether you realize it or not, um, your mind is controlled by rules around food. Um, you might automatically associate like salad, good cookie, bad, like, and if those, um, black and white lines are drawn in your mind, there's truly no way if you don't have awareness of that, that you're ever going to move past that. And second of all, um, the unconditional permission to eat. Uh, I really think this one, and I'll probably do a whole nother podcast on this topic in and of itself because it's a very big topic, but just briefly, I think a lot of people are scared of this because first of all, what, um, dietitian or, um, healthy living enthusiast has ever told you to like, Oh, eat as many cookies as you want. Like literally <laughs> yeah. in the history of dietetics or nutrition, very few people say that, but, um, what I always encourage encourage people to do is, you know, it really rubs me the wrong way when um, I hear some people say like, oh, well, just have one cookie. Like you're not on a diet, just have one. Well, okay. Like you even saying just have one implies that having more than one is bad and therefore you are on a diet. So I really encourage people in this step to really trust that your body will not crave cookies 24 seven for the rest of your life. And the only way to get past that, um, is to let your body know that whenever you want those cookies, they will be there. So one day that may mean eating four, five, you know, however many it takes cookies. But then the next day, um, you may be surprised to wake up and realize like, okay, maybe today I only want one or two to feel satisfied or only need one. And, you know, for everyone that may not be the case, but I think there's a lot of power in trusting the process of just diving in because our bodies are very, very smart. Um, and I truly believe that giving yourself that unconditional permission and not attaching any judgment to those food choices, especially in the beginning, is like the most important step in freeing yourself from any rules around food. So I absolutely love that you brought that up. Um, kind of for sake of time here, we'll start to wrap up. Um, yeah. But I get well, one question that I will ask so people can just get in contact with you. And then I always have a wrap up question, um, that I ask my, my guests, but, um, just kind of logistically speaking here, if anyone is listening to, um, you speak or you're messaging and they are really interested in following your journey and kind of allowing you to step into that role of, um, a trusted free resource with a positive message. Um, how can they find you and how can they get in contact with you? Yes, absolutely. Um, so all of my stuff is the intuition GK. Um, the full, the full name is the intuition gym and kitchen, but on Instagram, I'm the intuition GK. Um, and as well, my new blog, which I just, uh, created in my, first year of, of being around um, is the intuition um so and you can access uh my email and also there's a form to to kind of contact me that way through the website um and i would love to hear from you because i'm super passionate right now uh just about kind of having conversations with, with people about these things 
Um, and I am looking to be as free of a resource as possible at this time. Um, and, and I would love to, to help you out if you're interested. Okay. Well, I will make sure, um, unfortunately the, the platform I upload these on, I can't do like, I can do a link to your website, but, um, your handle for Instagram won't be clickable, but I will have it there. So if anyone's listening, if you want to scroll down to the show notes and kind of see it spelled out there, how you can find Austin, how you can get into contact with her, I would highly recommend, um, you following and listening along. Cause she is one of my favorite Instagrammers, um, and just social media, peeps in the space. I absolutely love, love, love her content. But the last question that I will ask, um, the question that I always wrap up with is what Austin are you doing to live a little bit more gently with yourself? So for this, I mean, you know, what are some of your just easy daily practices or mindset shifts that you really put into practice to just give yourself a little bit of grace and pat yourself on the back for all that you are doing, um, good to treat your body well. Yes. I love this question, Claire. This is amazing. Um, (laughs) And has has been something that I am really, really working on in my life right now. Um, I feel like I have come to a place with my intuitive eating and moving journey where um, I am pretty gentle with myself, which I never imagined was possible. So if you're just beginning this journey, do know that it takes time. Um, I never imagined that I would be where I am with all of those things. And I'm really grateful to to feel like being gentle is actually my instincts um, at this time in my life. But something that I've been trying to implement a little bit more lately is just I have a tendency in my um, in my expectations of myself in my career uh, and in my relationships with other people to expect way too much and then to be really hard on myself when I'm not able to accomplish as much as I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, And that causes a lot of stress and anxiety for me, uh, which in terms of your overall wellness is really harmful. Um, So I have been working really hard to create lists (laughs) um, that with really tangible steps each day to be able to start kind of taking smaller steps towards my goals rather than expecting a million things to get done in one day and then inevitably not being able to accomplish them and then being hard on myself as a result. Um, and I, you know, I think some people might be like, well, how is that really a wellness practice practice? Um, but it absolutely has been beneficial to me in terms of my overall health and wellness, because, uh, I am just a little bit more at peace in my everyday life. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of kind of one of the, the ways that I've been working on lately. Yeah, I absolutely love that and I can definitely resonate with that. Um, me personally, just, you know, in careers and I think a lot of the times when I ask this question, we have the tendency to think it only applies to, you know, how can you live more gently with your food choices and with your movement choices, but um, it's really tapping into wellness as a whole and when you look at everything that wellness is, uh, it's not just food, it's not just movements, but it's your relationships with everyone. Um, 
Um, it's your career. It's your job. It's how you handle stress. It really is the full picture. So I think it's really great that you um, not only have a much, much better, stronger handle on living gently when it comes to um, the physical aspect of nourishment and wellness, but also kind of... Um, bigger picture things as well. So I absolutely love that. And thank you so, so much for giving me 50 minutes of your time to come on here and kind of show my viewers and uh, your listeners as well, your message. I really, really appreciate it. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me, Claire. It's been awesome. All right. Well, for everyone tuning in, thank you again for listening to episode nine of the Yours Truly podcast. I would really, really love it if um, you enjoyed this episode, if you found something useful in this episode, that you subscribe, um, that you leave us some stars, and that you even leave a review below telling us what you learned because um, having takeaways from every piece of information is always really important in starting to apply that to your life. But that's all for now. Look for a new episode next. Next Wednesday, yours truly, Claire and Austin.